0: Live from Philadelphia, you're listening to Queerona, where three gay friends, each professors, creatives, and weirdos, talk with other queer and queer-adjacent creatives and personalities about anything they damn well like, from 80s pop culture to hypnotic sex practices, all while we're experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. Season one of Queerona was recorded between March 15th and May 15th of 2020. So now, lean back, relax, and enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to Queer I'm George. I am here joined by two illustrious co-hosts and an exciting special guest today who will reveal themselves shortly. So, Matt, what's going on with you in your life?
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's different. Um, but I am adjusting to this uh, solitude. I have a lot of good thinking time. I'm doing a lot of yoga.
2: Mm.
0: I, I love, I found, like, a real enjoyment of YouTube yoga. Yoga tube.
2: Is that what they're calling it?
0: Yoga tube. Yeah, yeah. That's the term I just made up.
2: So well, you're me. the marketing branding expert, so. Ec-
0: guru genius. Yeah, so yeah. you I find yoga tube to be really like, you can find like 15 minutes to clear your head or like 15 minutes for your lower back. And it's kind of fun for me. It's like what I, it's like a moment. It's the same amount of time I used to have for when I smoked, that was like a cigarette break. You know, you get up from your desk, you walk outside, you smoke a cigarette. It's kind of like a 15 minute mind clearer. you know, and there is actually breathing, you know, there's like a breathing thing. So now yoga has replaced that. And it's kind of fun, much more healthy. I feel very Malibu.
1: Does it change your yoga with this yoga tube?
0: <laughs> my yoga tube changed from yoga tube. Um, I think who knows I don't know I mean that's for the world to decide yeah. so
2: far you seem a little nicer than the previous shows <laughs> I think
0: some of the previous shows I was a little more cunty for
2: sure yeah definitely
0: I was on edge you know I wasn't yoga I wasn't in yoga tube. tonight we were very very lucky um, we're going to take it to a special place now um, where we are so honored and, and pleased to have an activist, a community leader, an advocate, a politician, um, and someone who was literally earlier being like a fairy, fairy godmother running around supporting the people that we're talking about in our community in need. Um, we have Deja Lynn Alvarez. Hello, Deja. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Good. Was that an okay intro? What did I miss? Uh, uh, listen, I'll, I, the whole time you're introducing me, I'm thinking, wow, if this was 15 years ago, the adjectives that would have been being used are a whole lot different than activists and advocates. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. Were they really? a years ago well, a troublemaker uh, you know or? no 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 i was never a troublemaker i was never but a lot of people well i guess actually bitch would still be true today um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a badge honor i like it when i get that one yeah it. it's
3: done
2: that way maybe
3: yeah you know how when everybody does like the pronoun introduction now Mm-hmm. everybody's like oh say your name and your pronouns and right. for me I'm always like she hers and probably by the end of this for some of you bitch so.
1: <laughs> excellent
3: <laughs> yeah that was a wonderful introduction thank you
0: how are you uh, deja surviving this
3: pandemic what are you doing how are you living you know I'm still working every day you know, we reduced. staff only 15 to 20 people in our office every day. We're down to, like, two. It's myself and one other person. Um, and then, like, two days out of the week for three hours a day, we have three other staff members come in. So, um, you know, we're and just keeping everything afloat. What you and you do. So I do um, politics and public health, weirdly enough. The organization that I'm with right now, we – it started out as one of the first or it may have been the first, um, aid services organization in in the city of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia AIDS consortium. Now, um, we are called world healthcare infrastructures, but I work mostly with LGBTQ folks, um, around mental health, um, physical health, helping them access resources, um, helping those that have food insecurities, housing insecurities, um, people that are HIV positive, helping them access medical care for that, access to medication, and those that may be high risk but are negative, making sure that like, we help them stay negative. So getting them on PrEP, if they don't have health coverage, then we make sure that they have access to PrEP at no cost. Um, same thing with those that are taking HIV medications. If they do have health coverage, but a lot of folks that are working with HIV, then it's a large copay. So we figure out ways to help them with that copay so that they don't go broke trying to live, literally.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, there's still a, a large amount of people that are coming into the office, or is it all f- by phone now?
3: And nope, it's almost all completely by phone. I think in the last two weeks, we've probably had four people come in the office.
1: There's been a lot of discussion lately about PrEP and that PrEP has something to do with preventing
2: COVID. Have you heard about this? (laughs) I heard something about that. Uh,
3: Look, every other day, somebody's posting something else about what prevents COVID. You know, I think like two weeks ago, I heard gargling warm water with salt and vinegar washes it down. I'm like, no, I think you're confusing that with nuts. <laughs> a lot of good things have come out about the hydroxy. A
0: lot of good things have come out. I happen to be taking it, hydroxychloroquine. I'm
3: taking it, hydroxychloroquine.
0: It almost becomes like witchcraft stories, right? You know, if you if you um if you cross uh, the path of a black cat, you'll get over.
3: <laughs> One of my favorite ones is, oh, viruses can't survive over 80 degrees. Hey. <laughs> People are the host for this virus. Guess what all of our temperatures are? If our temperature is 80 degrees, you're already dead. Right. Like, just mm. stop with the madness. But I I have started to hear the thing about PrEP. I'm like, oh, well, you know.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah. Gilead is doing testing or something. And there's like been stuff. People are, are buying stock in it because apparently there's some sort of connection.
3: Well, they were buying stock in that malaria medication too, and people started taking it and started dying. So everybody is slowing down on taking that. Um, Let's give people the chance to test it out before we go. uh, AZT,
2: that happened with a lot of people. Rushed to rush to take that, and then people thought it was like this miracle drug, and it, it it wasn't obviously.
3: Yeah, medications can react differently to everybody so you know we just we need to know more about it and then dealing with the pandemic while we were already dealing with a pandemic in the white house is just insanity right and then i see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute one minute and is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or but th- i think that's one of the reasons i get so frustrated too when i see so many people sharing misinformation because they don't deal with the vulnerable populations that I deal with every single day. So to know that they're putting this out there and how susceptible how susceptible a lot of these vulnerable populations are to misinformation, I think is just really, really frustrating. My poor campaign team last year on the campaign trail, it was like when we were going somewhere, they'd be like, remember, no cursing. Remember, no cursing. And I'm like, listen, Anybody that has ever known me or come in contact with me knows I curse if I start trying to talk all proper now they 're all going to side eye me and go who does she thinks she is
0: yeah i don 't think people should try to, to like lock in that, often, that the authenticity you know like I think't I like, like I want to vote for the real person not
2: right certainly a for the president now. He's actually breaking some new rhetorical ground. He swears in public more than any other president. The New York Times, even dubbing him the profanity president. Can we talk about what was the campaign? You were on the campaign trail? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I ran for um, city council at large.
2: And what was that experience like?
3: It was, oh my, it, it was everything. It was grueling, exhausting, frustrating, maddening but also exciting and fun and amazing. And it covered the gambit of emotions and highs and lows. It was, um, it was fun. And I, I, I was, you know, I pushed back with my campaign team quite a bit because even like in the beginning, they're like, all right, you have to get blazers. You have, and I'm like, listen, I've been in the press 300 times before ever running for office, and nobody has ever had a picture of me in a blazer. I'm not about to start wearing one now because I'm running for office.
1: A Philadelphia politician is making history in Rittenhouse Square tonight. Deja Lynn Alvarez announced her candidacy for City Council at Large seat. Alvarez is the
3: first openly transgender person to run for Philadelphia City Council. One of the reasons I wanted to run for office is because I wanted people to realize that for me, politics, one of the reasons we're where we're at today is because. We always thought or we always look at politicians as they have to be these lily white folks that have two kids, a dog, a white picket fence, drive a station wagon, you know, have done everything correctly. They went to college. They came from a very particular type of family. And then that's why when he gets caught getting a blowjob by a hooker in an alley, that it destroys his career because everybody had a false sense of who he actually was. Me being a former hooker (laughs) and getting up and talking about it and saying, yes, I used to do sex work. Yes, I used to do drugs. Yes, I used to do all of these things. But all of those things do not disqualify me from being in politics. They actually make me qualified because I've had these experiences and these are the experiences of the people that we're supposed to represent.
1: Right. You can actually speak from that and and ideas that are not from an ivory tower.
0: And even if they, you know, even if they wouldn't add, they certainly don't subtract in any way, shape, or form. Do you know? Oh, they, right, they, okay. and that's, yeah. that experiences would make you less of a qualified politician or leader or anything is just. Mm-hmm. It still shows like this sense in the in, in, in America that you still kind of have to be part of the elite, and the elite is yeah. defined.
3: But do you know what's really crazy is that that's even amongst our own in the queer communities that, you know, I heard it from people that I've known for years, like friends of mine would say, listen, I was like around a bunch of people that we know. And they were like, oh, who she thinks she is running for office. I remember when she did this and when she did that. And I'm like, see, that's that same mindset that prevents us from using our life experience to do good and to be better and, and be able to help others. You know, they're saying, no, if this is what you've been through, then you can't help others. Well, actually being through that means I should be able to help others.
0: Right now thinking, would you, would you want to be in city council right now?
3: I guess I don't necessarily feel one way or the other about whether I would want to, because I, I talked to a lot of this, the folks that are in city council now during yeah. this and, and they're doing some good stuff. And I'd still end up doing the same stuff I'm already doing. So, um, honestly, I, I guess in a in a manner of speaking, I guess I could say, yeah, probably I'm probably a little grateful I'm not in city council right now. But even if I was, I'd still end up doing the same thing. You know, yeah. like I started a food drive for undocumented immigrant families um, that are being affected by COVID-19 because they can't get food stamps, they can't get unemployment, and they're not going to get a stimulus check, but they've all lost their jobs too. Right. Yeah, I think they you know, they definitely have a lot on their plate with this. Because that's the other thing. We all then look to those that are in politics. We look to the politicians to be the saviors for everything, but we also have to understand what they can and can't do. Like we need to understand what city council is responsible responsible for. We need to understand what our state reps are responsible for, what our senators are responsible for. It's amazing our country spends a trillion dollars a year on government, but So many of us don't understand what they're actually in place to do.
1: There's such a simplistic view of politics that I think most Americans have that we don't really understand the basics about how power is distributed or how we just expect people to be experts, you know, not to have to have any responsibility ourselves and that we're just Mm -hmm. someone above us is going to fix everything. And if they didn't do everything, then it's then they're terrible. (laughs)
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. I think we all should be more involved. But then it's also hard to ask, you know, folks that are really marginalized and trying to survive to also then be political. Because if I'm busy trying to figure out what I'm going to eat that day, or where I'm going to lay my head, I don't give a shit who's on city council or who's the state rep. Because in my mind, that doesn't affect me, although it actually does. But in my mind, that's not my priority. And I think until we can tackle a lot of those issues, you know, the the racial disparities and the poverty and the lack of education and all of those kinds of things, until we're all ready to really have that true conversation about that, um, it's going to be hard to engage a lot of the folks that we we really want to be more engaged.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult catch-22 in some ways, you know, because... If people are in a mode of survival, they really can't see beyond that, you know. But then at the same time, if we have a better idea as a nation how this government works, then we have more tools and more at our disposal to make change.
3: But, I, you know, when your your immediate concern is, am I going to be able to get something to eat? It's kind of hard to look beyond that, which is also why I kind of feel like those of us that, like, I don't make much money at all. Like, I'm able to pay my bills, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And people think, because I'm in the press a lot and all that, they go, oh, she's rich, she's this. Trust me, ask PNC, they'll tell you my overdraft fees, I'm not rich. Compared to some of the folks that I deal with, I am like, I, you know what I mean? I have a home, I have some food in my refrigerator, all of that. So I, I feel like that is why it's up to the rest of us that are not living where we don't even know if we're going to be able to eat that day or have a place to sleep that day, or we're on the verge of eviction or whatever it is. It is kind of hard to put that burden on them and get them to understand it. So it is on the rest of of us to then step up and say well you know what, I see what they're going through I understand what they're going through so I need to make a decision not just based off of my income and my tax bracket but what's also going to help them
2: Will you be running again? Probably When would that be then in the cycles of
3: I'm not sure because I'm not quite sure what office I'll run for
0: Ooh, some mystery there
3: Ooh. Ooh. well there's I, I, look I believe in I don't believe in organized religion I just think it's something that's been used to for people that are in power to keep themselves in power and keep other people submissive to them mm-hmm. um, but I do believe in like the universe and energies and all that kind of weird stuff and um, so I just think you stay open and if something presents itself to you then you're open to it. And that's what I've done throughout most of my career. We were hoping for, we were hoping for
2: a big announcement on this show. (laughs) So
3: (laughs) The question for me is what am I going to do about it? And I've decided I'm a candidate for president of the United States of America. That
0: would really give us that. <laughs> no no you, you promised you'll come on queerona to make that announcement
3: yo i don't think we should talk about this come on why not people might misunderstand what we're trying to say you know yeah, but that's a part of life,
1: okay? you know what i wanted to ask you deja is um do you see parallels between like the this pandemic and and hiv and a pandemic uh you know
3: so I've seen a lot of discussion about that. And I saw a lot of people comparing it to HIV and saying, oh, how does it feel to live through something? So absolutely HIV pandemic for you know, the gay community originally. And the way that it was handled was definitely, I guess I could see the similarities. The White House, ignore, ignore, deny, deny. Um, but the difference is It was ignored in the beginning, Um, HIV was ignored in the beginning because it was only affecting gay folks. So they didn't think that it needed to be dealt with because they just felt, you know, gay folks should be wiped out. Mm -hmm. And back then, um, for most of the world, and actually even for some of the world today, you know, that includes trans folks because, you know, we're considered in the gay community, blah, blah, blah. Um. So the parallel of it being ignored, yes, for different reasons, though. We have a narcissistic, moronic twit in the White House right now.
0: I know more about ISIS than th- the generals do. Believe me. I know more about courts than any human being on Earth. Nobody knows more about trade than me. I know more about steelworkers than anybody that's ever run for office.
3: Nobody so knows, knows more about, about construction, construction than I do. I know more about drones than anybody. He ignored it. I feel because he didn't want it to affect his numbers, and he wanted to figure out a way to profit from it. And um, I think that's a little different than than HIV. HIV was ignored because of the specific group of people that it hit. Also, HIV did not move as quickly as the coronavirus. It wasn't spread as easily and quickly as the coronavirus. And um, so, you know, there's I get where people were going with that, but I, I just I don't think it's a fair, a a fair comparison, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: but I understand people's feelings around it, especially people that saw a lot of death and stuff during that time. I hear stories regularly from patients um, that like family members still won't eat off of the same plates that they use. They have to use a separate plate and silverware and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, are you kidding me? In 2020, there are still people that just hold on to that. I was reading something, was it yesterday or the day before, where they're saying now, like, take off your shoes when you go in your house because COVID can be on the sole of your shoe. Mm. So I think that's, you know, definitely some of the differences is just this can be spread in so many ways and then survive on these surfaces, some of these surfaces, for days at a time.
1: I think, too, for, like, Generation X and and above, you know, I think we're the last generation to really experience that kind of, anxiety in a certain way about being gay or queer or that you will it's automatically a, a sign that you're going to die uh, from AIDS you know that there's this sort of feeling that I think when you're younger and it's of a certain time period we have mm-hmm. this kind of um, we were told that kind of information and so there's yep. sort of a trauma
2: there that younger generations don't have it's certainly what my family thought. Right. Mm-hmm. That was their, I mean, as soon as I, when I came out that, I was like, I and confirmed this after the fact, but like, that's what they're thinking. Oh my yeah. God, you're, you're going to die. Babe. It's, holy shit. This is sad. Like, that's why they're so upset, you know, even at the time.
3: Yeah. Well, I, a lot of folks still, still think that, um, you know, I have a young kid that in the last year was diagnosed with HIV. And when he was given the news and dealing with that, The thing he kept saying to me is, I don't want my dad to find out that he was right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean he was right? And he was like, when he found out I was gay, the first thing he said is, oh, you're going to have AIDS. And I was like, wow, you're like 21. Wow. And that's like Mm -hmm. now. And this is what your dad was telling you? And that's now you're saying. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that was this year.
2: Cause I'm talking about the nineties, like late nineties. Yeah. So it's still,
3: yeah. Yep. And I think it's, you know, I I get the concern and you know, all of that. And I've, I've also, this is another thing that I I've talked about a lot too, is I think marketing is a big thing in politics, in the medical field for medications, all of that. I, I think one of the things we have to stop doing is promoting that certain groups or populations of people are more likely to be infected than others. Like, uh, I did a thing, was it at Temple or Penn or Drexel or might've been all three where, you know, when I was talking to them about PrEP and HIV and all of that. And I just, I said to everyone in, in the room, I said, how many people in here are having sex? And just about everybody raised their hand. I said, then you should be on PrEP. And they looked at me and they were like, what? I said, that's my marketing plan for PrEP. If we really want to change the numbers in HIV, then stop marketing PrEP to um, the LGBTQ community or, well, to the gay and transgender community, to the communities of color. Yes, maybe they do have higher numbers, but guess what? If we promote PrEP for everyone and say, it's for anyone who's having sex with more than one person or, or actually we shouldn't even say with more than one person, because then if there is somebody that's sneaking around on somebody else and they get caught taking prep, then we're, you know, we're setting them up for a fall.
1: I think too, you know, when people that are younger, if we're marketing just people who are older and already kind of know things, it's, it's often these people that are younger, you know, that should know this kind of information. You know, I know mm-hmm. that for my own personal experience, that I didn't know that kind of stuff as a teenager. Yeah, I benefited from that information uh, in my 20s. But, you know, if I had known that information my teen as a teenager, I would have not done half the things I did. So,
3: Wow. I wish I could say that. <laughs> 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 I don't know that I still wouldn't have done some of the things I did as a teenager. But if I had prepped, it would have just been a little safer. That's all. Right. But yeah, so I just, I think we fail. I think we fail with politics. I think we fail in in the medical field with medications and all that with marketing, because we we put out a stigma with it. By marketing it only towards certain groups of people that stigmatizes the medication. Mm -hmm. And then there are folks that I feel should be on PrEP. And when I talk to them about PrEP, because of that stigma that goes with it, they're like, no, I don't need that. What do I need that for? Mm-hmm. Because they feel like I'm like saying like, hey, you're a slut because I want to get you on PrEP. Preventing HIV and having safe and healthy relationships are an important part of sexual health. We'll take you through an overview of PrEP with PrEP 101, show you how to access PrEP, and let you find out if PrEP is right for you. Right. One, listen, I don't have a problem if you are a slut. You know, depending on what time of the year it is, I might still be a slut that's the marketing of it. And that's why, you know, why we need to change the way that we do it. So that when I do say to somebody that really definitely should be on it, like yesterday, yeah, they're not getting offended and then getting defensive. And then they refuse to get on it because we've marketed it to everybody. So therefore no one has a reason to not want to be on it. Yeah.
0: I, when my doctor first said to me, um, would you like a prescription? I literally, my first reaction was, how dare you? Like, <laughs> I literally reacted like that. Yeah. Because I, I we, we've all been, to some level, you know, the puritanical brainwashing, you know, mm-hmm. the internalized homophobia, the you know what I mean? All this has been so pushed into us that it's impossible to even be, You know, in that one moment, unless you make a conscious decision, it's hard to be sex positive. You know, it can be difficult.
2: So no matter where you meet a stranger, be careful if they are too friendly, if they try to win your confidence too quickly, and if they become overly personal. One never knows when the homosexual is about. He may appear normal, and it may be too late when you discover he is mentally ill.
3: I tell a lot of my clients, and, I, you know, especially my trans clients or um, others that you know engage in sex or a lot of sex or whatever and those one of the ways that I kind of break the ice with them is as I figure out who they are and what they're doing and what they're engaged in you know I, I do a little teaser and I'm like listen I break men down into two categories baby wipes and washcloths." <laughs> we gotta explain that somebody there who's laughing got it right away you gotta explain it for me offline (laughs) um, (laughs) what I tell them is that listen there's nothing wrong with being sexually active there's nothing wrong with having more than one partner there's nothing wrong with doing one night stands there's nothing wrong with doing any of that just do it safely I break them down into baby wipes and washcloths. The ones that get a baby wipe afterwards are, they were only there for one reason. Here's a baby wipe. Hurry up, get dressed, get out. Wow. The ones that get a washcloth is, oh, you want to go take a shower? Go ahead. Then you can come back. We can watch TV. We can do whatever. So the baby wipe, you were just here for, for one reason. The washcloth, like, hey, we can chill, enjoy each other's company, whatever. Right. Um, And I use that as an example so that my clients and patients and stuff understand that even if it looks like I'm in a different place than you are at this point, at one point in my life, I was exactly where you are. And uh, there is no time in my life that I ever forget that. And there is no time in my life that I'll say I won't ever be that again. And it's also part of being sex positive. I don't have to only have one partner. I don't have to have a boyfriend or a husband. I don't even have to want a boyfriend or a husband. Mm -hmm. Just because we've been brainwashed to believe that me, as a woman, I'm supposed to have a man and I'm supposed to, you know, be in a relationship and I'm, I don't, listen, I don't have time for all that. I don't need him in my bed rolling over, keeping me hot at night, snoring in my ear, doing when I'll, I need to go to sleep because I got to go to work in the morning. So come over around eight. I'll give you your baby wipe at 8.30, be out the door by 8.45, and then I'm still in bed at
1: 9.30. Efficient.
3: <laughs> My political career is over after Quirona. Yeah. <laughs>
2: this is supposed to
1: launch your right.
2: next chapter. To
1: do an expose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can help support Queerona Podcast by sponsoring us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Queerona, where there are several tiers of support where you can assist us with our production and bringing new voices for season two of Queerona. There are three tiers of support. (laughs) Oh my God, what are you doing? There are four tiers of support for Queerona. Our first tier is a $15 shout out. Our second tier gives you all access to all of season one immediately at $40. At $50, dollars you receive that plus the shout out and... For those who really want to support us, you can get a luxury t-shirt designed by collage artist Toby Celery for $100. So we want to ask you, we're going to start with each other, then we're going to ask ask you, Deja, at last, (laughs) something that you find interesting or intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) Philip, what have you found interesting or intriguing that you want our listeners to pay attention to over this time.
2: (laughs) Well, I have been watching on HBO, the uh, current series, The Plot Against America.
3: Lindbergh is not an anti (gasps) semite Like hell he's not. What's a fascist?
0: The fascists don't like Jews. Why? Because we're Jews.
3: What's our luggage doing here?
0: There are no vacancies. Take your bags and your family and
3: leave. Do you have any idea what's at stake in this coming election?
1: I believe he is a good man. There are so many, though, who don't trust him.
2: And what I'm finding interesting is, you know, we're so used to uh, binge watching nowadays. However, with what's going on, I've been looking like watching it when it's on Monday nights Mm. and like looking forward to that. And it reminds me actually of like, I don't know, George, you know, you rewatched the first season of RuPaul, kind of like had to do that. Like he couldn't record it or been watch it and he like went there or I remember watching The Sopranos even. We like had to be there Sunday night and watch it way back right. when. So, but it's on HBO. It's a six part thing. I think they've done five of them so far and it's based on this Philip Roth novel, which is a historical fiction that like imagines that what if uh, back in the 30s, Charles Lindbergh who was a famous pilot, right? But also, and he'd gotten this like award from the uh, Nazi government. The book imagines, well, what if he used that extreme popularity and ran for president and won? And how the the country would slowly change to accommodate some of these um, views he had. Uh, of culture and it's really interesting Winona Ryder's in it, John Turturro, but it's also like it's hard to watch it and not see the intentional connections to today with just so much with the, this, this president and the popularity and how it like lets a lot of people's prejudices out of the bag that were sort of being hidden and that they kind of come out and the way people buy into this this sort of aura and uh, on and on. It's, it's fascinating and so that's what I'm watching. Mm-mm.
0: I um have tried to watch, I've been that show's been recommended to me by probably 10 people in the last 3 weeks. I tried to watch it, it was hard for me to watch.
2: Like because of the there is a sound thing. <laughs> Are I you you're debunking
1: serious. his you're debunking his
0: uh, Is that a
2: new is that a new part? Of, first of all, that's a new part of this <laughs> podcast where we debunk <laughs> each other's things. But second of all,
1: I like how you're like actually that was hard to watch So, <laughs> he did the whole thing
2: why was it hard to watch there is actually, a sound thing I think that's weird I, I don't disagree. technical quality I, like,
1: <laughs> everybody
0: everybody has everybody loves it
2: like, I think you, it depends on your political views you might be somebody who's more in line with the Charles Lindbergh anti-Semite <laughs> Nazi party and that would be oh, the US. oh <laughs> yeah.
0: it was very hard for a it's just like um, what's that show with the late women who who can't you know? *Handmaid's Tale*. It's like *The Handmaid's Tale*. It's just too close to reality for me, right? Now. You know, like it, it, mm.
1: I, I, yeah, right I can't do that kind of thing either. Actually, well, because
2: it is it is really slick. You go, you know, this, this is a Jewish family who's like all about the Yankees and baseball, and they're yeah. so American, and like the slow way that they become marginalized and mm. divided. It's just you see how it happens because it's so slow. It's very well done, and that's it's, what. But like that's how you you know you divide people, right? It's like it doesn't happen overnight. Where there's suddenly yeah. a, a fascist in our office, it's like a very slow process of. It's,
0: it's definitely art because it gave me a very emotional reaction. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But well, what's yours? I'm ready to debunk it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is really um, you, this is new. Um, I and. Uh, mine is the book All Together Now mm. by Cindy Dell Clark. She is an anthropologist and a folklorist who teaches at Rutgers. And I met her at a cocktail party. She was the most fascinating person there, nice. and there was plenty of fascinating people there. And so she told me about her field of study. And she basically she's an anthropologist, and she studies celebrations. And this book is all about holidays in America, how they relate to children and adults and the symbols that they need. And it's so fascinating. It's just so fast because it really, she gets into the fear, you know, why, why do we do, you know, why, why do we do what we do? Why are we hiding eggs? Why are we crazy for Christmas? What does trick or treat really mean? And some of it, we all think we know like, oh, it's pagan, but there's much more deeper kind of Implications and I'm really fat, you know. Anthropology, I'm in marketing, so anthropology is kind of the, the older, smarter brother of marketing.
1: I'm going to recommend a movie, which is weird because I never recommend movies, but I'm recommending the Teenage Apocalypse Trilogy by Greg Araki, which are all dealing with themes of isolation, queerness, and the apocalypse, which all seem in 90s angst. And HIV scares, and teen drama, homelessness, and in some cases, alien invasions. (laughs) So, my recommendation is these three movies, particularly "The Doom Generation" and "Totally Fucked Up."
3: Welcome to Carnal Burger.
2: Have your order, please.
1: And I like the last one too, which is called "Nowhere," which has got a lot of um, interesting. celebrity cameos in it, like Shannon Doherty, for example. Yeah, so I would check out these three movies if you're feeling angsty and interested in isolation and the apocalypse in the 90s. Tisha, what what would you like to recommend
3: us? I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here going, oh God, I better really come up with something. Listen to these three. Like, I'm going to look like a you know, I'm like, okay, books, books. And the only book I can really remember is James and the Giant Peach. Oh, um, <laughs>
1: wow, that's a good one.
3: Um, but so I am someone, I guess that because all the work I do is so centered in some of the worst stuff that, you know, happens to all of us and blah, 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 that I use television and, and movies mm-hmm. and stuff. That's my getaway. So for me, uh, like, I want to watch anything that's as far from reality as I can get. So, I'm not watching anything zombie related, apocalypse related, or anything <laughs> else at this point. There's this comedy on um, Netflix called Gentified. So, it's basically gentrified, but without the R. You haven't paid rent two months. You can double the rent on us, you coconut sellout. Coconuts are delicious. Is absolutely hysterical because it it pokes fun at um there's this mexican family living in LA and it pokes fun but it it also gives you a good dose of reality but in a really funny way of about what they are experiencing in a world that is gentrifying around them they have a mom and pop taco shop that the parents had for many years the mother is dead now so the father is still running it but he refuses to change it his son is um you know, working at the taco shop with him and is a little bit old school mixed with new school. And then the nephew lives there too, who is in like a five-star chef school and he's a little bougie. So it's, it's this whole mix of crazy things. Um, but it really does show a lot about gentrification, how it affects different people, but just in a really funny, not always politically correct way, which I happen to enjoy.
1: I've heard about it. I heard it's good. It is. It's
3: really funny. Really, really funny. Well, thank you
1: so much for being on Quirona this evening, Deja.
3: I absolutely enjoyed it. All three of you are really a good breath of fresh air.
0: Oh
3: you. thank you. Is there one of us
2: that you enjoyed more than <laughs> the others? Or you have to ask. <laughs> you
3: have to
2: All ask. right, you. Yes. thank have a you so much. And
3: stay safe, guys. Bye, bye,
2: bye. You have been listening to Queerona. Queerona was hosted by George Alley, Matthew Ray, and Philip Moore, with editing by Paul Schuler. Theme song "Undivided Attention" by George Alley, available on iTunes. To support Quirona, please go to patreon.com backslash Quirona. Quirona is available on iTunes, automatic.com.